You've tuned into localjobnetwork.com radio and you're listening to the LJN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment related. I'm Jacqueline Peterson and joining me are my colleagues, Lynn Molitor. Hello. Tim Yuma. Hello, everybody. And Liz Thompson. Hello, hello. So we have a lot of varying topics today, which is great. We actually have an interesting to start us off with. Tim? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I came across this. I heard it <laughs> I heard it on, uh, on one of the cable news outlets, and it was just talking about, you know, people this balance between being having friends within work and then, you know, meeting outside of work. And is that good? Is that bad? And some people like it, some don't. Uh, and part of what they talked about was, well, what if you are in a workplace setting and you want to be friends with people, but it's just not working out? And how do you go about doing that? And what are some of the problems? And um, so, I mean, for me, it's I feel like it's something that just has to come natural. It's really hard to force anything like that. But some of the ideas they brought off, was, well, maybe you did something that irritated uh, uh, the coworkers, and that's why nobody's really kind of giving you the time of the day. Or uh, maybe sometimes you have clicks a little bit, or if it's departments or age-wise, you know, something that's harder to hang out with. <laughs> you know, I'm just, <laughs> there are different clicks. It happens. Or yeah. maybe you're just an introvert. So uh, I was just curious if, if any of you had come across it, or if you had any tips for people who, you know, maybe could naturally try to develop those relationships. Because again, I don't think you can force it. I think you'd be like, you know, just shove it down someone's throat. But any ways that you could develop those relationships where it's it's beneficial to have a little bit on the outside as well as on the inside. I found this in, an interesting topic because at first I wasn't sure what the vent on it was. I um because I all my friends I think are are from work. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a pro in this topic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if I wasn't working, I don't think I'd have any friends. Oh no. <laughs> Except one from high school. <laughs> but anyways, I think um, it is hard, though, breaking into a new work environment, um, be it a new company, a new work team, especially if you want to uh, create that camaraderie. And I think you have to be respectful of where people want to get personal and when they just want to keep it a work relationship. Mm -hmm. But I think you have to give it time. And you just kind of have to see where you seem to click with people. And then, you know, you kind of put your toe in the water <laughs> and say, does anyone want to go to lunch? Oh, you know, okay. yeah. and then it's like, and then maybe everyone says no. <laughs> <laughs> and then you and go then, in the corner and cry. Yeah. And yeah. then it's like, well, okay, I'm going to like give it another try <laughs> and see if it sticks. And um, it, or else you, you, you might find that you build a camaraderie with one person, you know, and then it's like, hey, you want to go one on one to lunch? You know, oh, there's, you know, something's going on on the weekend. Would you be interested in, you know, going shopping? You know, I, I think you just kind of have to feel your way. Hmm. Yeah, I think events are key because companies a lot of times will do events. So first participating in those, if they're, you know, after hours events or during lunch, if there are things going on, making sure that you participate in those. So then you're at least surrounded around people. But then also bringing up events, as you mentioned, Lynn, with the weekends and things. I mean, bringing up things that are going on or things that you might be doing and kind of gauge if people are responding or interested and then being able to kind of lead into the invite as well. Yeah, I think it's um, I kind of agree with Lynn. It's a little bit tricky. I mean, you, you want to like figure it out and see. Um, but I think you also have to 
know that like work comes first too because I've made friends with people before and then they leave and then they like want to disparage the employer and you're like "Uh, I still work here so that's not okay oh Um, yeah that's awkward (laughs) yeah so you just have to be really careful about the friends that you do keep just make sure that they're in line with your morals your values and that you know long term is this someone that you could see yourself really um, having that relationship with because at the end of the day I mean your work's going to come First. I mean, at least for me yes. personally, mm-hmm. it was. So it was oh, always I'd agree. tricky to to balance that. Um, so that's probably one of the things that I've learned is kind of like, you know, keeping an eye on that. Yeah. And it is, I mean, I've had friends that, you know, it, they were work friends and then some friends stuck, you know, because we had yeah. more longevity, maybe more in common. Yeah, I think that's a big thing, just interests. and Yeah. yeah right. And then other other people were work friends, but then uh, when we no longer worked together, then we kind of just drifted apart. I don't think it was like, uh, you know, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Right. <laughs> Does that help, Tim? Yeah. Yes. Thank you. So now <laughs> I don't have to go home alone every night wondering why no one likes me. No. Uh, I was just, again, the topic that no, came up. That was a good topic. It, it was. It made oh, me chuckle, too, when I read it. I was like, oh, this is interesting. You always have friends here, Tim. Aw, that's sweet. Well, on that note, uh, let's talk about something that we pretty much all have experience in. That's in meetings. Liz, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, well, I found an article that had some tips and simple steps to having efficient and effective meetings. And I think all of us attend meetings on a consistent basis. And so I know there are definitely things that uh, help make meetings go smoothly for everybody and then other things that maybe we need to improve on with meetings. I know we were just talking before this, um, one of the things that um, had come up was regarding just even the timing of meetings. So often we schedule them in one-hour increments and people may be back to back to back. So it's impossible to be on time for meetings, (laughs) which is one of those key pieces. Always have your meeting on time. Yeah. And so uh, I guess that brings up a good question. Should we be scheduling our meetings in 55-minute increments to give that uh, break a time for people to be able to get to their other meetings. I have thought of that really so many times because in college, <laughs> classes oh, right. were 50 yep. minutes. And yeah. they gave you that 10-minute wiggle room in case it went over, but then to also walk to your next class, run to the restroom if you need to, grab some water, whatever. So I've often I've often wondered that myself. Um, I've never tried it, though. Has anyone tried it? We did try it. Um once where I worked, and um, it had varying degrees of success. Hmm. You know, it was interesting because another idea in the article was taking a, a one-hour meeting and scheduling 30 minutes instead. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, I think, <laughs> you know, the last couple of meetings I've been in here, we're like scrambling to get everything done by, you know, the meeting doesn't seem long enough. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, when I read that, I, I kind of was thinking, okay, I can barely... I mean, with the amount of people that we have and the high-level stuff that sometimes we're talking about, we need the full time. Um, but I did what I did like about the article was starting on time. Yep. Um, and I also liked the agenda. I think the agenda, and actually, Lynn, that's one of the tips I had kind of copied from you. You always had an agenda, so it's something mm. that I've always had in my meetings and have encouraged my direct reports when they're putting meetings together, have an agenda, because then you can just pretty much move the meeting along. Um, and Tim, you've started using agendas. 
what in the last year? I mean, and you're managing a huge project right now. Yeah, some of I the mean, redesign. How's that going with the, the the agenda and keeping the meetings going? I mean, I'll admit it's difficult because for myself, it wasn't something I had done a lot. Of, like with creating this agenda, it was a lot more of like kind of free flowing. Um, but it definitely does help. The one area that I really liked though with the meetings was uh, really paring down that attendee list, if you will, to oh, make sure. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, because I know everyone, of course, wants a voice in it and everyone can't help in some way. But maybe in those meetings, you really figure out, OK, who who are the ones that are really going to be making the decisions? And then you can feed that information yes. and get feedback. And I just I always think of, of course, my mind always goes to sports analogies of <laughs> of too many. It, there was a, a coach that said there are too many cooks in the kitchen. Obviously, that goes to football, but or uh, to cooking. <laughs> but with with too many cooks in the kitchen, there's just too many ideas at once and too many people. You just you can't appease everyone. But if you pare it down to those you know, three or four key decision makers and then give the feedback, get some get some input and then take that all together again to the, the three or four. Um, I really like that idea as opposed to, hey, we have we have all these different people that are going to contribute. We need to get their opinions. That might not be the best way for a meeting. I mean, unless it's like a one big meeting, like to kick things off and then to fill everybody in, that kind of thing. Well, and we just recently pared down that huge project that you're managing and True. And, yeah. and that actually and that was, has helped a little bit. Yeah. And, it, and that, I think that was part of the process, too, of finding, okay, who can, who really can give us the input and how is it going to help? Um, but, you know, I think off the, off the front, it was great because you had all these extra ideas. Yeah. And then as you try to, to whittle it down a little bit, I think that's where you're really trying to figure out, okay, what's going to work best. Well, and that might even be an idea, too. You know, maybe in the initial brainstorming, it's good to have a bigger group. Oh, but yeah, then as you true. start to move forward, maybe mm-hmm. it's better to sort of shave down a little bit. Yeah, once you go into implementation phase. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, those good. subgroups. Right, yeah. yeah. I know, like, for me, one of the challenges I have with a meeting is, um, you know, and I run some meetings, and I also put together agendas where I don't run the meeting. And as soon as I enter that room, I'm, like, in timekeeper mode. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is not exact. It's not exactly stress free for the hour or the thirty minutes, because it's like you're kind of watching how the agenda items are progressing, and you start to panic. It's like we're not going to get through this. <laughs> we're not going to get through this. And I do have a meeting um, where I put the agenda together, and we've just have not been hitting all of our items, and we're you know we're going long. And so people started giving me ideas on, you know, how we can get the meeting back on track and, you know, actually have people uh, give you agenda items, but then tell you how much time they need Hmm. for their item. And then they kind of have to stick to it. So, you know, it's like it's this constant evolution. So. Hmm. Yeah. And that preparation piece I had thought of, too, because, I mean, we use a lot of technology. We may be pulling up. Um, some systems things, or we may be using technology to call others and things. And that's one of those um, pieces that can really eat up time on the front end is getting everybody connected and getting all the resources up and available before the meeting even starts. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. Well, geez. Good idea. Hopefully we can take a few pointers and apply <laughs> them in our next meeting. Uh, but now, Lynn, what did you want to chat about? So actually, I got this next topic from a cable news Uh, show that was very similar in approach to our show. Um, And they were recently talking about easing child labor laws. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And it uh, came about uh, from an individual in Maine. I think it was the governor there. He was trying to um, make it possible for children 
um, under the age of 16 uh, to be able to work. So I, I think they were talking 14, 14 to 16. And so, um, you know, what are your thoughts about that? You know, I actually uh, was not familiar with the child labor laws. I didn't realize, you know, who can and couldn't work under the age of 16. Um, I'm actually for it. I had some small jobs before I was 16. I always considered my first real job when I was 16, mm-hmm. but I got a lot of good experience and, you know, I needed, I needed to start earning and saving money <laughs> even before I was 16. And I felt I turned out okay. I didn't feel like I was abused in any way. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think it's a good opportunity if someone wants to work, um, let them. I, I, I mean, I, I agree with you when I think it's something, of course, always has to be monitored because you don't want anybody taking advantage of the situation. And so much for myself, being a parent, I feel that it, it needs to come down to what the parent feels is right or okay or works for their individual kids. And, you know, some kids may want to be doing something at even 11 and 12 because they want some extra some extra money or whatever. Um, so I think a lot of it to me always comes down to personal responsibility with the parents and how that's, how that's working exactly and, you know, the importance of school and family and other factors that play into it. Uh, and I, I do think from what I read that different states will have different laws and exceptions. Like if you're talking about like a farming community, like technically that all is right. kind of related <laughs> with, you know, kids working on the farm and whatnot. Um, but I, I definitely think it's something that needs to be probably adjusted and looked at more specifically and and put the impetus on parents to understand their kids. And yes, there are going to be parents that maybe do the wrong thing, but, you know, it happens in parenting anyway, you know, it's just something that you're looking to protect. You're looking to protect the kids. You're looking to protect families, but you also need to give them, I think that option to, if they want to have an experience, they want some extra money. That's kind of what America was built on. So I think, I think go for it. I agree. I started working early and I loved the concept of making money and spending money. And <laughs> I mean, you learn fiscal responsibility to some extent, but you also learn just a sense of responsibility. And there's a lot of values there that, uh, I know helped me develop who I am today, and it still is applicable in your work life. Right. Um, and so I'm. I agree. I'm all for it. I mean, 14 years old, I can definitely say I was prepared to be able to work, <laughs> and I probably needed to to fight boredom and uh, <laughs> because I wanted to. Uh, Spend some money. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wanted to count my money. I'm not, yeah, not really offering anything different to the table here because I actually agree. I mean, it definitely one of the things you know, looking at is as a professional perspective and the value that it's bringing. Like, I think it did help create my work ethic of wanting to earn that money and to save that money and to buy things and to understand the value of a dollar. Um, for me, it just helps solidify how important, if I want it, I have to earn it. I have to go out and buy it. And that means that I have to work in order yeah. to have that happen. Um, so for me, I it, it makes sense. I think it would help too. I mean, with even for families that maybe, um, you know, that aren't necessarily that well off if their kids can go and work and, you know, help pay for their own stuff. I just think that it could help kind of like the overall the overall thing. Another thing that sort of stuck out to me when I was reading this is um, obviously, you know, we're in the Midwest, so there's a lot of snow, especially this winter. And uh, one of the neighbor's kids had He's probably like, I want to say he's like 11 or 12. He was knocking on doors asking to shovel snow. Oh. So mm-hmm. he comes over at like 630 in the morning <laughs> before school. Did he ring your doorbell? 
Um, no, when he oh. comes to shovel, like oh. yeah, he contacted us oh. before. Oh, before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, he's got a future in sales. No, he, he got a job. Yeah, he like he yeah he worked it out and um and he we contact him we we call him we'd send him text messages if oh. if we get home at like eight o'clock and you know we text him and we're like hey can you come in and 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 you know he won't come on his own obviously which is yeah. good but you know <laughs> we'll text him and he'll he's right over. Hmm. See, I think that is a great um, job right for for a kid, and I give him a lot of credit for just taking the initiative to contact people. And I mean, he's now in contact with adults, you know, coordinating schedules. And, you know, we're all professionals. So we see this, you know, this little, or it's just, it's really endearing because he took the initiative to go do it on his own. It wasn't like his parents were standing there with him. (laughs) You know, we asked why he was interested and he said he wanted a little extra money for the weekends. (laughs) And he's there early before the mornings. Like, doing it before wow. school. And I just, just like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's discipline. Yeah. So why discourage that? I mean, right. as long as nobody's getting hurt out of it. Nah. Yeah. I think it's good. So, and now given the snow in Chicago, he's rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, he's been making some money. <laughs> I know what I'm going to start doing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I wanted to actually close this off with a topic for our job seekers. So listeners out there, if you're looking for jobs, um, Really, when you're applying for jobs, you know, when you're I wanted to give you sort of the the hiring manager's perspective. And one of the things that I notice when I'm looking at resumes, I really look at where the applicant has come from and, you know, if they're applying to specifically, I'm kind of looking, you know, in a microscope here. When you apply to a job with an organization, one of the things I want you guys to pay attention to is what sort of jobs are you applying to within that organization? Because when you're applying to a communications position and then a sales position and then an IT position, it can really send a mixed message and a message that you may not necessarily want to send to the hiring manager. So I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts too. Do you, when you're looking at resumes, is that something that you pay attention to? Because when I look at it and I see like, wow, this person has applied to all these different positions, um, for me, on I'm going to be very candid here. It makes me think that they're very wishy-washy and they don't really have a plan. Yeah, they yeah. don't know what direction they want yeah. to go in. And yep. and that, as a hiring manager, that worries me because I'm thinking I really want to hire someone who wants to be here, who really is passionate about the detail, the duties and the responsibilities of the job, and who's going to come and add value. I don't want to, you know, instill that you really like this job and you're going to love it. You know, I really oh, want it to be that's here. That's a good point. So do you guys share those same thoughts? I mean, what is your perspective on that? Yeah, well, I I definitely do agree with you there. I know not only do I look when they're applying to the position, but also reinforce that actually in the interview process too. Are you primarily looking for X positions, X types of positions? Um, So for example, marketing, marketing type positions. And it's amazing how people will say, well, no, I mean, (laughs) I might, yeah, I'm also looking in this area or that area, but you really do want somebody who's serious and committed to that particular type of a role. And so it it can definitely hurt you in that way. I mean, it's one thing if you really want to work for the organization, but I think that's where you might want to reference that in the cover letter um, or in the interview, just saying, you know, praising the organization, the fact that you really want to be a part of it, but applying to all of their jobs is not, <laughs> is not necessarily a good recommendation. Right. You know, I think in the past when it, um, it used to be more of a paper-based system years ago, 
you could apply to uh, multiple positions at a company, and they weren't really set up to cross-reference very mm. easily ah. that the same candidate had applied across the board. Right. But now, uh, nowadays, you know, companies, their systems will allow them to pretty much say, hey, the same person just applied to, to all of our positions. So I think um, as hiring managers, too, for the job seekers to be aware of, we'll communicate with each other and say, you know, we got this candidate. They appear to have some good values, but I don't think I have the best position for them. I don't think my job is the right fit. Maybe you would, you know, maybe you want to take a look at this resume and you might have a, a job for them. Mm-hmm. So managers do talk to each other. And I would encourage job seekers to say if they're interviewing and the job doesn't seem a good fit, maybe ask about, are there other places within the organization that you could recommend to me and pass my resume on? That's good. I think a lot of times, and speaking from a perspective of being a job seeker more recently than any of the other three, I think sometimes job seekers get confused at the idea of, yes, we like people to be flexible and versatile and have multiple <laughs> skills. <laughs> yes, right. Yes. However, we do want you to be focused and you know have a, a point of emphasis in one area. And Again, if I was relating it to sports, because that's so easy to do. (laughs) I've spoken with a lot of college coaches. And when I coach too a little bit, we obviously we want your main skill to be in our sport. Like if you're coming to play baseball at our, we want you to just be a baseball player. However, we want you to have experience in other sports because you learned other things. You learn mentally, physically how to do different things. So I think that's where sometimes maybe job seekers get a little confused. It, but that's where that cover letter comes in handy. That's where the resume comes in to show, hey, I've done other stuff, but I really want this position. This is where I fit. This is, you know, regardless of anything else I've done. And Linda, your point, I like, you know, you mentioning that managers will talk and they say, hey, you know, I don't really fit with us, but they might work. So let them do their job on that end. And make sure that you're not weeding yourself out by saying, yeah, you know, I'm just looking for a job. It, it doesn't really matter. I don't have an expertise anywhere. I just, you know, I like to work. So uh, that, that would be my thought is that sometimes maybe it's just a little confusing between what we're really looking for versus what they think we're looking for. Mm, yeah, good point. Hopefully our job seekers will keep that in mind when they're searching and applying for jobs. And on that note, it's time for us to get going to that next meeting. (laughs) On time. Yes, on time. We can't be late. And we have time for a bathroom break. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you, our listeners, enjoyed today's discussion. And if you would like to suggest topics for a future discussion on the LJN Radio Quad, please send us a message at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. And let us know what you want us to discuss in our next quad. For Lynn Molitor, Tim Muma, Liz Dotson, I'm Jacqueline Peterson. Thanks for listening. 